Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better on this week's episodes. In the red corner, Sean Connery is in a bad mood. His wife has run off with their kid. His team of space marshals are a bunch of double-crossing no-goodniks. And the frontier mining colony he's in charge of is full of people going mad from illegal drugs. Time to clean this place up using a shotgun on a pressurized space station. From 1981, we're talking Outland. I got nothing more on that incident in the mine yesterday. It looks like some guy just went wacko. It happens here. I I don't know. It just happens here. Why? I'm not a psychiatrist. I can't tell you why. Some people just can't take it here after a while. What's that guy think he's doing? No way it could have been homicide. Had to have been a suicide. 28 in the last six months. Did you do autopsy? No. Then how do you know it was a suicide? There's no other explanation. While in the blue corner, what happens when your sci-fi TV show Firefly gets canned? Well, you take your cast, get a budget together and turn the whole thing into an epic universe-spanning space western as Captain Mal and his crew uncover a mystery of cannibal humans and genetic experimentation while competing for who can deliver the funniest one-liners. From 2005, (laughs) it's Serenity. I'm taking your sister under my protection here. The only people she's a threat to is us on this boat. Where are you hiding, little girl? The Alliance wanted the reason they shouldn't have sent an assassin. Every minute you keep River Tam from me, more people will die. This was your fault. I don't murder children. I do. So what connects these two films and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Kraken. Hello, Clash Butters. I might just kick your nasty ass all over this room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Alex Zane. <laughs> I'm Chris Tilly. I think that's in my nose. <laughs> what a thing to say. Who's <laughs> got a nasty ass? <laughs> and she's an older lady. Don't talk to people like that. Oh. It's manners, actually, Sean Connery. It's Any, just manners. Anyone would think I chose that as the first quote <laughs> on purpose. Thought you might have a reaction to that. You're a nasty ass. <laughs> Uh, How are you both? And also, Chris is back! It's good to see your lovely little faces. Thanks, Chris. She's back, 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 back again, again, again. Tilly's back. Tell her friend, Vicky, Tilly's back. I know. Right then, uh, that's the excitement of Chris being back. 
done with. Uh, so, uh, big news before we get into this show. We have, uh, if you follow us on Twitter, you will already know this news. If you don't, uh, then you should. We're at ClashPod on Twitter, and this is one of the reasons you should follow us, so we can tell you things like this. We have our very first live show coming up. The first ever ClashPod live, so therefore certainly the last ever Clash Pod live at the London Podcast Festival on September the fourth. Uh, we're a late show, which is good. Hey, that's fine. It's yeah. a good it's for a grown good. ups. Yeah. yeah, bit of blue, bit of blue. <laughs> <laughs> you think <laughs> a little bit naughty, a little bit naughty. Uh, Nine thirty p.m. Uh, we go on stage. Uh, now, obviously, we understand a lot. Of you don't live in London, uh, but if you do, uh, or if you're willing to make the trip, we would bloody love to see you there. Come along. It's going to be great. We'll be giving out more information as and when. <laughs> We We've know. decided. <laughs> Let's pretend we know what we're doing. Oh, stuff like this on the night is exactly what's going to scupper us. <laughs> yeah, come on. We're not. We're not expecting people to buy tickets or something we haven't decided <laughs> upon yet, uh, would we? Don't don't say that. Yeah, yeah. So do not go to the London Podcast Festival website and buy tickets, but do because we really do know what's going on. It's very exciting, but we are let's say fine tuning it at the moment. We're going to the pub straight after the show to discuss. I think we know what the films are. It's just, are we sure? Mm. (laughs) One of them we are definitely sure of because you and I are going to be doing something very special that I told you we're going to do. All right. Yeah. All right. We do know what the films are then. All right. Mystery, mystery. You say mystery. I say being left out of the loop. um... Trust me, when you find out what it is, you are going to be glad you're not doing it. (laughs) Oh, you will have time to learn it if you do want to do it. So No, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think I've been working out? (laughs) Uh, Right then, let's crack on uh, with this wonderful pairing because these were my choices this week. Outland versus Serenity. Why? Because I've been talking about doing Outland for a very long time. And while Chris, I think, didn't actually think I'd ever actually pick it. Uh, He thought it was just one of my empty promises. Yep. One of those threats that I make. Yep. Uh, He was away. So I thought, what better time to slip in another Peter Hyams joint (laughs) onto the show. And here we are. We are doing Outland then because it's a space western. I thought, what is another great space western to talk about? And that is, of course, Serenity. Uh, And also, I didn't want to break our accidental Mm. Jerry Goldsmith marathon. Mm. Uh, This is episode 27 in a row, which has featured (laughs) a Jerry Goldsmith score. So those are my reasons. And the clue I gave last week was the return of the space cowboy. That's a very good clue. It's a good clue. Yeah, very good. I thought you'd like that. Yeah, I was really impressed. I wish he'd been in the room to appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah, that was my clue. Chris followed that up on Twitter with... Yeah, better than my clue. My clue was Ota's in outer. Yeah. It's all right. It's an unusual circumstance where Michael is better. But... I like the idea that people had to look up what an Ota was. <laughs> what is Because it? it's um, you should have looked it up. It's yeah. a western. A right. western is called an Ota. Okay. Mm-hmm. I looked it up. I western up. movie. Mm-hmm. So we are on Twitter at ClashPod, also Instagram at ClashPod, where some wonderful guesses kicked open the doors of the space saloon. Drunk Jim Official says, if it's not Spaceballs versus Serenity, there will be harsh, harsh words. We should do Spaceballs. At some point, um, maybe when they release the sequel, Spaceballs 2, The Search for More Money. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know when that will be. When will then be now? Soon. Good, good. Uh, Tim Wilkins says, Outland versus Battle Beyond the Stars. I believe Chris has plans for Battle Beyond the Stars, don't you? No. Oh. Oh, that would be a good one. Then. Definitely not. That's the it's the Star Wars knockoff. Yeah, we could do it with Star Wars. It would just be an odd week, I think. All right, All right. I thought you had plans for it. Uh, Syrian says Dune versus Outland. Morph Holland says Serenity versus Cowboys and Aliens. But congratulations to our only correct guest this week, Danny Baker. Your prize is this: the theme tune to the greatest space western TV show ever created. And one day a lawman appeared with powers of pop, wolf, puma, and bear. Protector of peace, mystic man from afar. Champion of justice, Marshal Craig Star. Sing it. Star, strength of the bear, speed of the puma. <laughs> why did why did that just happen? Why did that just happen? It's a space western cartoon. Do you not remember Brave Star? Not really, no. I do. <laughs> yeah, I remember it now. You've done that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Speed of the puma. <laughs> Not a puma, a puma. Uh, great. I'm glad I did that. So uh, let's do the connections. What do you got? Uh, characters called Shepherd. 
Oh shit! Good oh, one. Oh wow! Yeah, nice. Very nice. Cracking. I mean, I haven't got many this week. All right, Frontier Space Towns. Mm. Uh, CCTV is in your bar. <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, to piggyback that, uh, a lot of people watching monitors a mm, lot. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Universe and Connery spends an inordinate amount of time watching monitors. Z- yeah, Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, space saloons, uh, weapons you don't normally see in sci fi. Mm-hmm. Shotguns on a space station, for example, and a samurai sword. Mm hmm. Mm. I wrote, the only thing I wrote down was drugs used to control people. Yes. It's quite literal in Serenity, and then it's more subtle in Outland what mm, they're doing. Yeah. But it's there. Organisations trying to improve people using drugs with disastrous results. Got that. Well, that'll do us then. Mm-hmm. Let's get into this. On Thursday, Chris is going to be in a serene state of mind as he takes us through Serenity, which means today, Vicky is going to kick out a nasty ass <laughs> All over this room, V takes on a journey. On the planet of Lol. No, wait, I oh, God, I always get that wrong. I wish there was a caption. Oh, wait, here's a caption. Oh, and another. Okay, so titanium mining, 70 hours to a space station, a six gravity, one shuttle a week. Oh, that is a lot of information to get across in your caption. There must be a more exciting way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, something's happening. Oh, wait, a lot of talk about mining. Oh, here we go, spiders. With an apparent spate of suicides on a grimy mining outpost, newly assigned US Marshal William O'Neill doesn't really notice. But then his wife leaves him and he suddenly gets all moody about everything and smells a rat. The workers are drugged up to their freaking eyeballs on company sourced amphetamine to up their productivity before the drug fries their tiny minds. O'Neill just isn't having it for reasons he can't really explain, but then encouraged by a rewarding friendship with the ship's washed up doctor, who's a really memorable character because she was written as a man and cast as a woman. <laughs> and that's how you write well-rounded women, is you just write them like you would a man. O'Neill can explain his motivations, especially when his boss sends two hitmen to finish him off. He just wants to find out who he is. Is he too good for this place or not? Is he consorting with lowlifes or is he just a lowlife? Which is something I absolutely 100% empathise with. (laughs) But O'Neill is a hero and now he's off home to Earth, confirmed by yet another caption to his posh wife and a son you'd really rather ditch. Seriously, that child is terrifying. (laughs) <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Io mm. is a moon, not a planet, though. Oh, yeah, sorry. Third right. moon of Jupiter. Mm. There you go. It's a, jo- I know, jo- I re- a Jovian moon. I know that now. Yeah, it's, yeah and it's clearly in there. Like, uh, let's, let's get the alien jokes out of the way because. I've got a lot about that. Actually, all right, so... all right, I'll let you do it. Uh, it's, it's in my background. There's some very funny quotes from Peter Hyams about Alien. He's basically never seen it. So, <laughs> But the Io thing is clearly in there to make us go, ooh, 2001 was good. Like yeah. you could set it on any moon on any planet, and they're like, "Io, definitely," because people would go, "That was it was something in two thousand and one, that great, great sci-fi movie." Yeah. Um, now I'd never seen this film, but I'd also never even heard of it mm. <laughs> until you mentioned it. Mm. But I believe that's not the case for you. Uh, well, you, weirdly, I only discovered it about two two and a half years ago, and I watched it, and I very much enjoyed it. Mm. Uh, I had had some wine, mm. but there you go, and. Um, and yeah, you don't I, have to say that anymore. That's just a given that you will have had some wine if you've watched the film. <laughs> I prefer to say it. It's part of my therapy. Now, I did not, um, I, I did not know about this film as a kid. Like, and it really surprises me because this is exactly the kind of movie that I, I would have gone out of my way to see as a teenager. And I'm just surprised that it completely went under my radar. So I hadn't heard of it either. No. What about you? First time watch. Oh, yeah, I forgot you said that. That's exciting because that doesn't happen very often. I yeah, I know. I don't know when it's happened. I can't remember the last time on this show. Um, I was aware of it growing up, but I kept reading High Noon in Space and that wasn't exciting enough for me. So I never got around to watching it. So, yeah, it was exciting to have a first time viewing on this show. Wow. Is Brilliant. It, is this actually the first time? This might be the I first time. I don't think time. it's the first time, but I'd forgotten how I don't like having to make notes the first time I watch a film, though. I'd much prefer it's a film I've it's seen before. It's very hard. Welcome to my world. Yeah, it's yeah really hard. sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, okay, well, let's talk about the background. So it was written and directed by friend of the show. I think Peter Himes gets too much of a bite at this apple, if I'm being hey, honest. Hey. He's not that good. Yeah, well, what have we done? Uh, the Relic. The Relic. That was another... And no, stay tuned. Fair enough. Fucking awesome. Oh, exactly. Yeah. What's the other one? I think end the of re- days. End of Days. That's end a piece of, of shit. End of Days is shit, yeah. yeah the, the Relic, Stay Tuned and End of Days might be his three worst films. He certainly thinks so, sort of, at the time when he made this. He thinks this is exceptional. Ooh, we need to do a Sound of Thunder, but carry on. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point in his career, so it's 1981, he really wanted to do a Western. But Hollywood, at this point in his career, is much, much keener on sci-fi than a Western. 
you could say because of the success of Alien, which kind of took everyone a bit by surprise. So he kind of has his cake and eats it by doing High Noon in Space. Discuss. Put a pin in that. We'll come back to that. Um, he wanted to make a movie, he says, that was set in the future, but use the future as a location rather than the sole subject of the movie, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So the focus would not be on hardware. It would not be a film, I'm quoting, about serial dogfights near Mars or one where a monster devours a city saying the future is not lucite domes where people glide back and forth wearing jumpsuits. The only consideration was the performing of a task when he's talking about the sets of Outland. Um, Function is the only criterion, much like, some would argue, (laughs) Alien. (laughs) So you've got blue-collar workers, a sort of merciless CEO, like pushing people to do stuff they might not want to do, um, and what has been described as by lots of people, a kind of lived-in look, the used universe mm. aesthetic. But Peter Hyams certainly doesn't think that's true. Does he not? Saying, no, he said, um, no. He told me, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. This was in Starlogue magazine. I love Starlogue magazine. I was not influenced by Alien at all. This is a very dissimilar movie. Alien did not really focus on the characters. Mm. No, that's not true. This movie is about a bunch of people that I think you get to see sides of that you don't ordinarily get to see in films. Yeah, Alien does it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. I mean, I, under, I understand a what you're saying. Machiavellian company. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the thing is, if you don't want people to be suspicious, just say, yeah, definitely. You know, we 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 love Alien. Mm. and Maybe don't have the title Outland appear in exactly the same way that Alien <laughs> appears yeah. at the start of your movie. Now, I only read this other rumour once, and so I can't substantiate it, but it's very funny that apparently on the design office there was a sign that read, make this film look like Alien. (laughs) 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 I really hope that's true. But also the two films, they show a lot of below-the-line staff, most notably for this podcast, Jerry Goldsmith. Oh, yeah. Um, He's good. Yeah, he's really, really good at what he does. So another source for Outland, you could say it's a remake, it's inspired by, it's indebted to, is High Noon, obviously. Um, but there is a lot that's different until you get to the third act. Um, the core being like morality and, you know, who are you if you don't stand up for your own principles and things like that. And it's a question of duty, of a self-preservation and all the rest of it. And obviously, if you want to find the new next frontier, space or a moon or whatever makes perfect sense. On paper, it's a great idea. Yeah, it's a really good idea. And it's actually a plot. I mean, as you said, High Noon is the last half hour. The rest of the film is nothing like High Noon at all. No. But it is like a lot of films that followed it. Like that drug plot I've seen in so many films. I was trying to think of, of obvious ones. Alien Nation does it. Zootropolis has a very similar oh, plot yeah. to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> Zootrop- Zootropolis is a drug movie, but it's packaged for children. Mm. But yeah, th- this, this is one of the first times I think I ever saw that plot, though, mm. of this drug being used on people and having to track it down like a police procedural almost. Yes. Um. I have, I, yeah. No, sorry. I was going. I was going to give give my hand away there. Oi. I'll shut up. Whoa! First day back. <laughs> I'm out of practice. <laughs> yeah. um, so casting. When Peter Himes was writing it, he was thinking of Sean Connery, but he was also thinking of Paul Newman and people like Gene Hackman. Saying you don't think of the Robert De Niro's and Al Pacino's because obviously this is 1981. Um, they're not grown up enough. You want a grown man mm. for that role. Like again, a sort of lived in look. So speaking of men. Um, when Peter Himes was writing Dr. Lazarus and your big, big minus point there for calling him Dr. Lazarus. Like I just, I can't bear it. <laughs> I thought you were doing a joke. Was, was the character actually written as a man? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, Peter Himes wrote Dr. Lazarus as a man and then said, I just decided to sit down and change it to a woman without changing the dialogue or the attitudes, which I love, obviously, but it's so disappointing that you see a woman on screen, you're like, wow, she seems so well-rounded. And it's because, yeah, no, she actually was a dude before, but um, we just literally change the name and that's it. And that, I'm not, I'm not criticising that. So I'm just criticising when a man sits down to write a woman. It would have been a totally different character. It would have been a shit character. Right. But when you write them as a man, it's not like you watch Dr. Lazarus and you're like, there's no way a woman could be like this. You're just like, oh, she's great. She's fun. Mm. And the way to do that is to write a man and then cast a woman. And that's obviously a little bit dispiriting. Just write, just whatever. Do you think if, do you think the line, the, literally the line... I'm going to kick your nasty ass. I think that probably is from that, yeah. Over this room, which it it plays better. It's less uncomfortable if the Mm. character was a man. Mm -hmm. It is less uncomfortable because the power dynamic between a man Mm. and a woman and all the rest of it. But also, I do think there's something about if if Doctor is what she called Doctor Steenburgus. No, Doctor Lazarus. Sorry, I'm getting confused (laughs) with the actual actor. Mm. Um, If that had still been an older man, is that still all right to say? I don't know. I don't know. 
it's just a, it's just a very odd line as well because also it seems to come a little bit out of nowhere as well. Like he's he's doing some sort of low level sleuthing and then he just threatens her with violence. It, it could be threatening anyone with violence. It still might seem a bit odd. Well, it's because she's been a little. She's not just uh, doing exactly what he wants when he wants it. Because it's right at the start. It's one of the first. It's their first meeting. He actually says that to her. They haven't even got to know each other at this point. But saying that. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about it, but I like the progression of their relationship. Me too. Mm? Yeah, me too. He frames it as a Marshall joke, though, and I think they could have yeah. come up with a funnier yeah. joke. Yeah, that's something that Marshall's say, yeah. But Frances Sternhagen is the actress you're talking about. Thank you, yes, Frances Sternhagen. And she, I mean, and obviously with Ripley having been written as a man, the parallels are there also. Um, so I haven't got much more. I mean, there is, there's a lot if you want to read Starlog magazine from 1981, which I recommend. Mm. Um, Peter Hyams loves this film, saying, by leaps and bounds, it's my best work by so much that it is embarrassing, <laughs> which is a direct quote. <laughs> Can I also say, I said earlier that we've done his worst films. Uh, we haven't because he did A Sound of Thunder. Yeah, that's what I said. It's a great film. I mean, no, it's not. I don't know why I said that. Sometimes I, I dig myself a hole by just saying stupid things uh, a, no, a lot. Yes. Really? Yeah, that's, okay. Even oh, I, come on. That's your thing. <laughs> even I know a sound of... I just want to be clear. I know a sound of thunder is a terrible piece of shit. So you'll be picking it for your next choice. Definitely. <laughs> uh, but it didn't do very well. And it has been... I mean, there's so much on the internet about how it deserves a bit more of a sort of a reappraising. Which we're doing. Which we are doing. And because it, it got a bit buried, it just didn't take off in the way that people thought it would. And it is curious as to why. You know, it's... it's I, it's not great. It's not that bad. I just, you know, it's got, a, it's, I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. It's, it's transportative. I always use that word. Do you know what? I looked up the other day. It's not a word. It transports you to the location and it feels very claustrophobic when you're on there. It does yeah. that thing that it intends to do, like Alien, which is you feel like, oh my God, I feel trapped on this space station. It's mine. Yeah, everyone's very crowded in. Uh, the miniature stuff all looks amazing. The fucking captions are like, oh, sorry. Do you know what? Should we talk about the film? Yeah. <laughs> right. So the captions, mm. they go on forever, don't Man. they? And it's so much irrelevant information as well. It's information that you do not need to enjoy the I film. I tell you what, it's a really good week to do this the the like for like comparison of the opening scenes because what happened to your instructional video, like in Serenity, which does it fucking awesomely, yeah. which is like a dream sequence becomes a video, becomes whatever. Mm. That's amazing. And you can do, you can get away with, we're on a shuttle, especially because Sean Connery's character is new to the thing. Why not go with him? And he gets played a video that says, welcome to law, joke. Welcome to IO. Here is all the facts you need to know. Like, it mm. just goes on forever. I do like the fact you made that joke because they do actually, within the text, they even go, pronounced IO. Yeah. <laughs> just in case. Who's this text for? <laughs> it's literally like, this is for you, the audience. Just don't call it low. Yeah. But why do we need to know how to pronounce it? We're not in the film. It's ridiculous. It's like there's uh, so many personnel on here. The security are these marshals. We're 70 hours from the nearest space station. Dinner tonight will be uh, roast beef. <laughs> I think it's a shame because... You know, the first five minutes of a film is when your audience is just a sponge and they want to be told stuff and they're so excited and you just ruin all that enthusiasm. Yeah, I mean, I like a scene setter and I like a bit of world building, but I was like, I think, I don't know whether it's because obviously you're making notes and you're going, is, is this important? Do, yeah, I, exactly. do I need to, do I need to yeah, retain this information? I typed it all out and then deleted most of it. <laughs> yeah. And it's such a shame because you will not get your audience back again once you've let them down like that. Yeah, no, I left the room and didn't come back. I don't know what (laughs) happens after this. It's a lot like high noon. (laughs) (laughs) So then we very quickly established this is the the miners mining, what is it, titanium? Yeah. But the point is it's grimy work, it's dirty work. Um, The technology isn't really, you know, there there have been advances in technology, but people are still working with their hands and things like that. Like there aren't robots doing the job for you. And there's a lot of shop talk. Let's talk about shop stewards. So you instantly understand that the, you know, the union issues and labour issues and it's not maybe mm. such like a happy place to work. It made me think of Amazon, all the trouble that Amazon's having at the moment, but mm. people being overworked and understaffed. I thought it was quite relevant to the world we're in right now. Because nothing ever changes. Mm-hmm. I did wonder about Todd, the guy who sees the space spiders. Yeah. I mean... Really what, hate spiders. What sort of practical joker must he be that when he's there <laughs> screaming, going, Oh, God, spiders <laughs> inside my suit, help me! And his mates go, Oh, fucking God. Pack it in. Cliff from Cheers. He's messing about. Galen's going to die! And how much must you hate spiders, though? Because you all know if you pull on that pipe, <laughs> then your head's going to explode. But he does. Um, so this is this is very important. I mean, I don't want to moan about the shotguns because it's cool. Like, but the pressure here will kill you, kind of thing. Mm. Like, so important. It sort of it points out the pressure at the start. Going, this is probably how how a lot of people are going to die in this. Yeah. Now shotguns. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. Spider Man pulls on the thing. 
and then pow, his head blows up. And that's cool. That's fun. I enjoyed mm-hmm. that, obviously. Yeah. Um, so we meet Sean Connery, who is Marshall William O'Neill. Who literally has a blue collar. He literally, that's <laughs> such a good point. Yeah. I really don't like his outfit. It really bothers me. Like, he doesn't look cool. I mean, I understand it's that aesthetic with the sneakers, you know, comfy shoes. It works. Do you want him dressed more like a cowboy, do you think? I just want him to look a bit cooler, a bit meaner. I think maybe if it was black, it's just that royal blue that he's wearing. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, I didn't notice, to be honest. It's this is him, isn't it? He's so, it's so hard to look past. Bond, the um, wig. <laughs> yeah, that's a shock. Actually, you're right about that. So we meet Shepherd, played by Peter Hoyle, and there's just a bit of exposition which I enjoyed. People work hard here; their productivity is off the charts. They play hard too, though, and they need a bit of room to let off steam. Yeah, that's funny, isn't it? That whole thing where he's like, you know, we work hard, mm. but we play hard. It's, it's like, a good scene. Play yeah. hard, play hard. How? You know, slashing up sex workers hard. Yeah. It's like, right. just let it go. He, he's being very <laughs> friendly and he's being very threatening at the same time. Yeah. It's a good performance from Boyle there. Oh, he's fucking great in this whole thing. I, I didn't understand, though. They make a they make a point of saying that the marshal's been there for two weeks. Yes. How come he hasn't met his employers or any of his colleagues? I thought I might took it to mean the place is so vast and it's so they have these staff meetings. It's like a team meeting, isn't it? Mm. Like so infrequently because they're not really important right. that it's taken that long to sort of get it all together. Okay. The weird thing about this meeting is that it sets up a question, which is for the entire thing, you're watching it going, I'm not sure... O'Neill, Sean Connery, is doing this for the right reasons. I think he's doing this because he feels like he had his ego dented by Shepard, by Boyle, in that room. Like the whole thing feels like when he says to his other sergeant, he's like, carry on taking your money and turning the other wee, Mm. Um, but in Sean Connery's accent. and That was really That was terrible. It's it's hit and miss. It started really well. It's hit and miss. But he, he says all that. He's like, I just want. Shepherd. That's yes. the only. I'm just angry because he basically embarrassed me in my first team meeting, yeah. and I'm going to do all of this because of that. Yeah, but it's his kids. His kids been snatched by his wife. Considering he's a lawman, mm. so you've got to assume he has some investigatory ability. Mm-hmm. When she goes, yeah, oh, the, those tickets. The message they're, appears they're for on no one, screen. Yeah, it's like <laughs> some guy appears on the screen. It's got those tickets you were asking for that you definitely said you wanted. <laughs> and she's like, two. No, I've just got two. Darling. What did she say? They're for Janet from yeah. the bakery. <laughs> for C- C- Cleo, Clive, Cleo, somebody. I, I just met them the other day in two yeah. weeks and I got them tickets on a shuttle. Yeah. for me. Bye-bye. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I don't give a shit. I'm going to work. <laughs> you cannot concentrate. Um, let's have a short break. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I tried to think of something funny to say there, but I actually just couldn't. Um, so, right, here we are. So there's another apparent suicide as a worker turns themselves inside out, descending in a lift without a pressure suit. But it doesn't matter because bloody Carol, she's only gone and left him. <laughs> so I think what's interesting, especially when we're talking about writing Dr. Lazarus as a man and then casting a woman, I, I'm, a, I'm admiring of that because I'll do anything to get a well-rounded female character on screen. Mm. But you do have to look at how it tracks with his other 
relationship with another woman. So if he's the sort of person that says, I'll kick your nasty ass all over this room, Carol is very clear that she fucking loves him. Yeah. She loves him so much and yet she's left him, but she still definitely loves him and he's never done anything wrong and it's not really his fault. It's basically her fault. And she's quite at pains to be like, I'm just such a bitch that I've left you, but... It sort of balances out that message, though, because rather than say goodbye, she's left him a, a voicemail for all intents and purposes, and yeah. it goes, uh, your job sucks, it's fucking awful here. Yeah. I'm leaving, I've got tickets on a shuttle, those two tickets, uh, I fooled you, they yeah. were actually for me. <laughs> uh, I've taken our son, but I'm not going to invite you with us. And that message, she doesn't go, there is a third ticket, why don't you come and join us? She just goes, you do you in that shithole. Exactly. And I thought it was quite good. Like, there's a scene, there's a really good scene coming up with Peter Boyle when he's playing golf and he says to him, you know, why do you think you always get posted to places like this? Like, he calls it like a toilet. And then you realise that Carol was right because you're not actually sure if Carol's right or not. She's like, I hate this life. We're always somewhere shit. But you don't know that for a fact. So it was quite good when he was like, you, yeah, that confirms that she was right about that. Um, but I, yeah, I did think it was interesting. It makes sense later, but for, there is, there's a decision there about Carol definitely loves him. He's got there's an open door there if he ever chooses to go back, rather than there are bumps in their relationship because mm. of the lifestyle that um he's put them on. Because their son's never seen Earth. It's like that's such an interesting character. Like, could we not have spent a bit more time with him where he has these oh, weird thought you didn't like the son. No, he's, I mean I see now why they didn't give him scenes. Because towards the end it's like I love you, Daddy. Daddy. I Fuck think no. I think part of the issue with the son is I think he was dubbed. Right, and I think that just always when a, when a child is dubbed, it sets you off a little bit, and okay. you can't quite. There, it's, there's something frightening about it that you can't put your finger on. I think the problem with the way O'Neill is with his wife, and the fact that she's a younger woman yeah. as well compared to Doctor Lazarus, it makes the whole nasty ass comment quite ageist as well. Yeah. Like he's saying that to her not only because she's a woman, but because she's an older woman as yeah, well. That's what I think. Yeah, that's how it comes off. Mm. Yeah, and I just think if you're going to do the thing where you, it's cool to go, we literally just cast a woman and we didn't change a single word. Like, that's great. But maybe just go through it just to be absolutely certain um, that it's all fine. We didn't have time. We were trying to get like fucking alien. <laughs> yeah, you see the sign on the door? We were trying to do that. I read a lot into Carol leaving him because I was searching for your classic, like, we're probably on about page 10 here. Like, what's going to kick him off into this journey? And I read that he's feeling despondent, he's feeling sad and he's feeling thwarted by Carol leaving because that's when he's like, do you know what? Maybe these two deaths aren't uh, just apparent sort of random suicides. That's to me, he's like, he's like I'm going to try and look a bit harder because Carol left him. No? It's a weird one, isn't it? Because at the end, he's jumping ahead, he solves the deaths, doesn't finish his tour of duty, but that is enough for him to go, I've, do you know what? I've I'm solved, done. I'm yeah. done. I'm off. So there is, I guess you could read it as like, he's like, if I do this, then I'll, I'm, I can just leave. Yeah, it, yeah, I think. No, yeah, not really. I don't know. So then Stephen Burkoff goes fucking ape shit on some drugs. Do they not have syringes in the future? What's that massive gun he uses to put drugs in his arm? Question: Who the fuck takes amphetamine before going to bed? <laughs> what an idiot! <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> He's getting into bed oh, and he yeah. goes. Probably tell you what, we'll, uh, yeah, what will sort me out now. I, I tell you, what, I'm just feeling a little bit edgy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bit of speed or saw me right out. Uh, I mean, I, I, what is it called? I can't believe in this. Oh whole my thing. god, the whole thing! They're like polydrugs or something. Someone's yeah. the fact PDE. Fine, yeah. fuck it, that'll do. I mean, why not give it a cool yeah, space give it name? A cool it's fun like name. space jizz. <laughs> anything, anything. Infinity. What? Fuck it, doesn't matter. Yeah, crank. I've done my crank. <laughs> yeah, but PDE. And it's like Sean Connery's forced to like shorten it down because Doctor Larry says it's polydrugs. <laughs> uh, uh, ethanol. I don't fucking know. I'm not only a doctor. Shut your nasty ass up. <laughs> I hated that bit. I mean, it's fine because it's the 80s, but she's like tapping away on the computer. She's like, how the fuck would I know how to do this? I'm only an alcoholic doctor. She's good though. There's that line where she goes, I did good, didn't I, for a wreck? There's something wonderfully like self-deprecating about that. In the fact that she's very aware of the fact that she's like, been posted out here. She yes. says it as much. She says be- it as much, maybe maybe too many times. Mm, yeah, she's like, oh, yeah, I, I need your approval. I mean, when she says to him later, because you do it, you do it in a different way. They exchange a bit of whatever, and she's like, "Do you want to go and get drunk?" And the way he says it, he's like, "Yeah." The <laughs> problem so is, good. that's the scene you want to see. Those two getting on it. Mm. I know, they they don't that? ever show that. That would have no. been fucking great to see their. It would be so funny to see their drinking game. But they're like twenty years older than everyone else there, and they're giving it all the talk, and then they're just passed <laughs> out like after about four <laughs> drinks. She reminds me of um, David Warner's character in The Omen last week, in that she's largely there to drive the plot forward. Mm. Um, but like that character. I think her performance and this character 
are so good that I don't mind the exposition because she's so engaging, like David Warner was in that film. Yeah. Um, I think they cast her really well. No, she's great. She's great. There's um, On the drinking front, though, there's um, it's a wonderful plan that I am going to use at some point, which is where Sergeant Montone, his sergeant, goes around to see him, to comfort him after his wife's left, and he walks in, and he takes a beer from the fridge Yeah, and then says, uh, on my second tour, my wife left me with a computer programmer. Which is sort of like, he's like, well, she hasn't left me. <laughs> it's, like, it's sort of like, he says absolutely the worst thing. Sean Connery goes, I- I'd like to be on my own. And so he goes, cool, and walks out with the beer. Oh, I see. What a plan. Yeah. You go in. What a legend. You go in on the premise of offering a shoulder to cry on, yeah. help yourself to a beer, say the wrong thing, get asked to leave, beer without having to listen to some bullshit. You don't think the wrong thing, he says like, oh, has your wife left you? So the hookers here are nice. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure that's quite... It's like, oh, okay, thank you. Maybe I'm a bit heartbroken, but that's good to know. <laughs> um, so... What does he say? I'm sure they are. <laughs> I think he does. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. Um, I've got a thing going with Dr. Lazarus. <laughs> um, so, yeah, where are we up to? So, the, uh, the PDE. Um, Sean Connery does very quickly believe it's a conspiracy right from the top, which I wasn't didn't quite buy, so... They realise that the, the the drugs are like brought in by the company or sanctioned by the company or something, something, something. And Sean Connery puts it together and is like, oh, to make them work harder. And he jumps from not thinking that to thinking that with no steps in between. Do you not find that the biggest problem with this film is that about 24 minutes in, you know exactly the entire plot? There are very few surprises. But I wonder yeah. if that's because we've seen this plot play out in so many films and TV shows, whereas I think this is one of the first times it was actually done. Okay. Okay. Um, and I had, it's, it's seen, a, I had seen it before, so maybe that was it. <laughs> it's a smart plan by the corporation, though, isn't it? Because they're paying these workers, and then the workers are giving them the money back by buying the drugs that they're supplying. Of course. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful, um, vicious circle. Um, you mentioned, though, the the, the golfing scene mm. when um, our man talks to Shepard. Did you clock what, what film Nick that, that we've done previously on the podcast, when he's putting? It's really oh. obvious steel. Uh, yeah, you it's know. Um, uh, Total yeah. Recall. No. Oh. Avatar. Giovanni Ribisi's oh. putting the face of the corporation, of the space corporation. Um, it literally, James Cameron, I mean, it's obviously an homage, but he's literally taken yeah. it. To have a guy using one of those putting machines while having this conversation. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. I didn't spot that. I was, yeah, I fell out of love with the golf because I think in the 80s, it was short, like golf was shorthand for arsehole. If you play golf, you're an arsehole. And I understand the juxtaposition between wide open spaces and this very claustrophobic mining community, but I just wished it wasn't golf. It just annoyed me that it was golf. I wished it was like, I don't know, he was doing uh, parkour or just something I'd never seen before. Just you've got a man, a corporate man, a company man playing golf. You're like, you're a wanker because it's that lazy shorthand for that. Yeah, it was 1981. Parkour didn't exist. Of course it existed. (laughs) You didn't know about it. (laughs) I don't think it did. What, jumping from one thing to another didn't exist in the 80s? I don't think parkour was a thing. All right, fine. We'll look that up later. Yeah, Yeah. it was was invented in the 90s. No, jumping from one thing to another has always been a thing. That's not (laughs) parkour. There's a big difference between what you just said and parkour. (laughs) It's jumping from one thing to another. You think parkour was invented with the born identity it wasn't or something <laughs> it was in France it was it was invented in Paris yeah probably a really long time ago <laughs> the 1990s like 25 30 years ago you, you, you're wrong on this one I I, I mean it's 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 you pick your fights but know, this, this I, isn't I, one of them I can't get out of this now I, no. don't, I don't know what to do no, if your argument is someone jumping from one thing uh-huh, to another which it is <laughs> no that's not what I'm saying right I'm just saying, maybe its roots go back further. But let's look at France's colonial past, shall we? Is is this because I said earlier that I sometimes say stupid things? You're now in competition <laughs> with me. Parkour is a type of movement that was established in France established. in 1988. Established. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, I heard 80. I was two I was years worried. out. I was two years out. <laughs> so I think we all win. Is no, that, can we move on? <laughs> Whatever helps you sleep at night. Thank you. Um, so we, as the plot establishes after we've been to a bit of a sexy bar, so Montoni's in on it, but O'Neill doesn't care about that. Like you said, he just wants Shepard. And they play sort of futuristic squash. And the script here tries to show you, which I do agree with and I buy, that the reason for Shepard, sorry, the reason for O'Neill, what we do is we don't talk about his motivation. He doesn't say to Montone, I want to do this because... 
what Montan says to him is hear all the reasons you shouldn't do this because Shepard is a big deal and all the rest of it. So mm-hmm. that's the script sort of laying down this is why you shouldn't do it rather than why you will. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. Which is a little bit of irksome at the time, but it does, it pays off later. We do, I do, There is a really satisfying scene where Sean Connery explains why he's going to do the things he does. Mm-hmm. So that was fine. Um, when he's bringing up the suspect's photos, did you not find that amusing? That in this um, this future world, so you can have a live, CCTV. a live video call yeah. with a space station 70 hours yeah. away by shuttle, crystal clear, yeah. but you want to bring up some photos of no, suspects. No, that's a dot matrix. ZX Spectrum. Yeah. It's, like, it's, so it's a dial-up modem. It goes, and you're like, can you even recognise them from that He's like, show me the likeness. And it's like, well, we can't show you an actual photo. No, we can't do that. But we can't show you the likeness of Spota. One of them, those photos that comes up, the name Spota, and that's a name that's in most of Peter Himes' films because it's his wife's maiden name. Oh, that's nice. little tribute to the missus. That's really nice. Um, so yeah, talk, talk. I mean, he is a terrible person in this. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. Oh, why, not, d- why not Dr. Spota? He ends up in a suspended prison and he ends up inside out as well. Mm. Um, I love that zero-G prison thing, though. That's wicked. Like, mm. Just little touches like that. I see It works because, he says, most people go mad eventually because of the weightlessness, because yeah. you can't feel the ground. So after, because I was sort of like, well, you're just sort of hanging there. It doesn't feel that bad. But the idea there. Forever, mm. yeah. Yeah, you would you'd go mental. Um, so this there's a uh, yeah we talked about this earlier, but there's a brilliant scene there where he goes to confront Shepard about what's going on. The reason why it's so good is because straight away Shepard's like, yeah, how much money do you want? Like, no mm. fucking around. Which is admirable. It's fun. It throws you off balance. You're expecting a little bit of like, what? Who? Me? No, never. Kind of thing. And he's just like, yeah, absolutely. This is how it works. And I, the the line, like, you know. I'm a sucker for a nice bit of dialogue, but when he's like, my, my hookers are clean, the booze isn't watered here. So he's saying how good it is, Shepard is. And Sean Connery says it sounds nice. And he says, nothing here is wonderful, but it works, that's enough. It's like, that's that's good. Mm. I like that. Because mm. he just completely sums up why Sean Connery, he's offering him a way to accept what's in front of him. It's not perfect, but it's fine. It works here. I mean, at that point, even without intending to, Sean Connery is, uh, you know, he's done a, done himself proud as a uh, as a dealer in terms of getting a bit more money. He's yeah, like, the guy, boy, Shepard's like, go on then, you've done it. How yep. much? I'll, I'll 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 up your fee. I would take the money at that point. I, I'm not I'm not lying. I'd, yeah. I'd have been like, yes, fine. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because in High Noon, it's much cleaner in terms of. You're the sheriff. You're a good person. You're a proper hero. The town are populated by broadly like innocent people. Mm. So you kind of have to do the right thing. Right. But in this, he doesn't have to do the right thing because he's occupying a sort of... (laughs) But also in High Noon, the difference is the the people are coming for him for something he's done in the past because he's the one that put them in prison. So he's got a connection to the people that are coming. Whereas this, it's it's kind of cut off from him, which Mm. is why he has this crisis, doesn't he, of, of... he doesn't like the part that he's been given. He keeps using that word, yeah. his part, and, and he's going to find out if they were right or wrong to give him this part. So It's weird, isn't it? Because the whole situation on the space station is the fact that the people who want to take drugs, take drugs. If you don't want to take the drugs, don't take the drugs. Um, and also, I think after you've seen enough of your colleagues who are taking the drugs make their heads explode, mm. you actively make your own decision go, I'm probably going to pass on taking the speed before bed. But they've not made that connection. And it, it, it's more about the fact the workers are being replaced by machines. And so they're taking this drug as well to give them the energy to work the longer hours. I wish there was something in it about that the drug is either very... The drug makes you work harder, but it's also very pleasurable and addictive because... Dr. Lazarus is super clear. You take this drug, you work really hard, and then after 11 months, not 12 and not 10, <laughs> your brain goes nuts and you you will mm. kill yourself. So for a worker that's there just to make money, there has to be something that would make you think, I'll push it right to 10 and a half months and then I'll stop taking it. Mm. But if it was very addictive or very pleasant, which was more obvious, because you, you only see Stephen Burkoff and he doesn't appear to be having a fantastic time. So it doesn't. Oh, I, I don't, don't, know. I don't know. That looks like a right laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have, have you read *The Scanner Darkly*, the Philip K. Dick? No. Ah, uh, but because the, the substance, there's a there's a drug called substance D in that, which I think I think this kind of rips off a little bit. This psychoactive drug that it produces this initial euphoria, and then after a while you find out what the D stands for, and it's it's despair, and um. Death ultimately, and so mm. I think I think it's a similar thing. But I think you're right. I mean, that's some solid marketing. It's called Substance D. D, uh, D? yeah, 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 just D. What's it stand for? 
Mm-hmm. Well, there was A, B, and C, so it's just D now <laughs> yeah. at death. What? <laughs> um, so anyway, we're into high noon now because Shepard sends two people to come and kill Sean Connery because he's not fallen in line with this plan. He's destroyed some of the PDE, which was hidden in some beef, I think, or an animal. Um, were you slightly disappointed when two guys... In, in uh, what are they called? Uh, gilets. gilets. Mm. They look, yeah, they look like um, Roy Mears. Roy Mears. And, one, <laughs> and one of them's Hatchet Harry from Lockstock. Yeah, it's PH Moriarty. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it? You say Lockstock, I say Jaws 3. Okay. He's in Jaws 3. He's It's a, probably the most powerful relationship in Jaws 3. You remember Simon McCorkendale's character, the guy who gets eaten by the shark and you see his point of view no, from no inside one remem- the No shark. one remembers it. It's one of the most terrifying shots in Jaws 3. You seeing his point of view and you see the shark's jaws. He's still alive, closing in front of it. It gave me freaking nightmares. Anyway, you're a baby about sharks. Ugh, well, his mate in it <laughs> is a PH Moriarty. And when Simon McCorkendale dies, he's like, no! No, no, and you're like, oh, you totally loved him. Oh, it's really nice. good. Oh, but I, I'm also disappointed, and I guess this is because this was ten years before uh, Home Alone. But he's kind. It looks like he's home alone oh, in the place, yeah, doesn't it? It looks like he's setting up booby traps and yeah, stuff, and then he, he just really is. Yeah. I was like, please set up a booby trap. He did yeah. set up a booby Not- trap. He put bombs on a corridor that PH Moriarty was gonna walk into, and yeah, then leads him into it. Like sneaking around. Yeah, I wanted. To, I wanted him to put micro machines. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been brilliant. That's what I wanted. It's quite good. glue. I've big just, cans of paint. This predates a lot of those movies where you purposefully lead a villain down a series of doors and then seal them behind them to ensure that they're in the right place. Alien 3, I think, did this as mm-hmm. well, where they're guiding the alien to a specific mm-hmm. location. And they do that really well. It is. So well. Alien 3 rips off Outland. Mm. Interesting. Definitely. Did they have a sign on the door? Make this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the countdown for the the men that are coming, it's good at first, but obviously it's the law of diminishing returns a yes. bit. You're like 60 hours. <laughs> hours. 100%. So yeah. funny. Is it, is it not cinema's greatest ticking clock when it first appears <laughs> and it goes, it goes, 49 hours (laughs) I am on the edge of my seat that's it because High Noon kind of plays out in real time have you ever seen the film Three O'Clock High that does High Noon it's High Noon but set in a high school where the bully's going to come and get him at 3pm and it's the same plot and it's brilliant but you're right you need need it to play out in semi-real time for that to be a thing well well, 49 hours gives gives us plenty of time to watch O'Neill looking at some monitors which he does he does he talks to Carol um, and she still loves him and she's going to Earth and won't he come? And he, he's, there's just, I mean, I was ready to hate this because it's like, you have to explain yourself to your wife. And she's like, when you give me two word answers, I know something's wrong. And he's like, I'm fine. <laughs> so <laughs> confirming. But then bloody poorly, the kid gets on the screen. You're like, fuck me. Like, I do get why you might not want to go with him. Well, I sort of, I got the vibe that his wife has finally come round to the idea of getting that third ticket because she's like, Paulie is fucking insane. <laughs> I'm so scared of our child. <laughs> Hello, Get <Daddy>. here now. <laughs> Daddy, <laughs> mommy's not giving me everything I want. His voice isn't his. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Daddy. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> and do you see the look at his face? Yeah, uh, I love you too. Well, I wonder because I think Sean Connor he was obviously a, a fine actor, but he's very good for me. Like you don't, see, you know, you don't see him cry very often, and all the rest of it. And he's really, really good in that scene. But he cannot be acting to the kid because it's too <laughs> much. Like he's like welling up, and he's like, "I love you, son." But there's no way it's Paulie there. There must have been a real grown-up person like reading those lines, I believe. Um, but I, I can't prove it. Um, so anyway. He bursts into the bar and he's like... Can you not prove it? (laughs) Can you not prove it? (laughs) What? (laughs) I don't get it. (laughs) Just the way you went. Uh, There's definitely uh, another person there, but I can't prove it. (laughs) (laughs) I just realised my whole life. (laughs) Oh my God, I can't prove any of this. I'm out of moves. (laughs) This is the end game. (laughs) Here, in this room? (laughs) Now? Um, Anyway... So he bursts into the bar and he's like, you could do the impression. He says, I could use a little help. You could mm. do that in his voice. Um, but no one will help him. Yeah, which is, which is what most of High Noon is. Yeah. It's him going around town trying to get help and it's everyone like, having a reason. The great line is, uh, what, where are all your men? And he goes, my men are shit. I, I thought I'd misheard it because yeah, it's yeah. such a throw. I'm men are shit. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I love that line, obviously. Um, so then the killers are here and we're stalking the corridors. And I, to be honest, this is too drawn out for me. Like... It lost my interest a bit. It's really? cool, yeah. It's cool when they blow up the corridor 
and all the rest of it. Yeah, you don't kill PH Moriarty first. You kill the guy that I couldn't pick out of a lineup. No. The other guy, it's like PH Moriarty's got an iconic look. Yeah. And like he is the second guy you kill. You don't but kill him first. He and hasn't made Jaws 3 or Lockstock yet, though. So, so he's just a no one. He's just a bloke. And the greenhouse thing, I'm sorry, but that's just stupid. Because a hired hand gets yeah. distracted by a big rectangular shadow. And shoots a fucking hole well, in the not, wall. But he's like, not a hired hand. He's a trained assassin. Oh, yeah. And so it's... but what Even worse. Shit. It's worse, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also, we haven't seen the greenhouse at this point. This is the first time we see it. And yeah. also, this is where you... Like, for the entire movie, you've been going, surely shotguns in space are a bad idea. And it's like, and now we prove you right. Yeah, because when Sean Connery goes to arrest Spolter... Hmm. He shoots the walls of the canteen and says, think about what you're about to do. As if to say, I will shoot you next. So he shoots a wall on purpose. Hmm. So now I understand that maybe it's not an exterior wall and all the rest of it, but it seems like a very bolshy move, hmm. given that if your bullet goes through the wall, you will die. And also the assassin, what was his plan? Like, shoot Sean Connery and definitely don't miss. Hmm. Because if you miss, you're both dead. Yeah. It's a stupid, stupid scene. Um, and, and then he kills his new sergeant who tried to kill him. And he punches Shepard. And it's the film is saying like some sort of justice will be done. So either Shepard's bosses are going to come and kill him mm. or there'll be no more of this in this place from here on in. And so he tells his wife he's coming to join her to sleep with her for a year, but actually sleep, not sleep with her for a year, mm. just with another caption. <laughs> and then we're out. And yeah, the captions annoy me. Um, she, she, yeah, she says um, regarding the flight home, we'll keep your ticket warm. You don't keep a ticket warm. You keep a seat warm on That's the flight. True. So true. You don't keep a ticket warm. Who ever says I'll keep your ticket warm? <laughs> Paul is getting to her. Bizarre. She meant seat, but he stood right behind her. She's like, I'm just saying anything at this point. Yeah, ticket warm, Daddy. <laughs> Pete, Peter Himes is getting to me with shit like that. <laughs> um, That's it. Good for me, Chris. Mm. All right, what was your best scene then, Alex? Um... Probably P.H. Moriarty's death, that whole sequence where they're luring him into the corridor because it feels like something that has been set up and is going to pay off because you've seen him planting the bombs. You're like, oh, man, I want to see that guy go inside out. So P.H. Moriarty's death. Lovely. What about you? Uh, can I have the scene where Lazarus and O'Neill get drunk that we don't get yeah, in the movie? Yeah, you can. That's what do you think they drink? Jaeger bombs. No. <laughs> um, she's a whiskey woman. He's a stout man. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know she's raided the drugs cabinet in the surgery. She's like, why are you bothering with the liquid? Just yeah. get yourself a glass yeah. of water, sit down. Yeah. She's <laughs> totally high on her own supply. <laughs> um, I, would, I'd li- I really like the Zero Gravity Prison, but that's not a scene. And I love the scene where <laughs> Peter is. Boyle offers him money for his complicity straight away but I think the best scene is when Dr Lazarus and O'Neill are talking Like in, they're in the squash court so they're mm. in the gym or whatever yeah. and he fully explains like what it is that he's doing and does he belong in this hellhole and, and who is he's gonna he's just got to figure out you know what kind of man he is and that worked for me yep. I thought it was really yeah powerful. and it kind of sums up the themes of the film because the, the men on the space station are being replaced by machines he's his wife is leaving him. His other guy's wife's leaving him. Um, he's realising that the job is just to look the other way. And it's all these people being emasculated, basically, on this yeah. space station. And so I think it does nicely sum up the themes in a really engaging scene. Yeah. It's funny when Montan's like, my wife left me for a computer programmer. Because <laughs> it's the 80s, you're supposed to go, a computer programmer, they're dicks. But the, nowadays you're like, yeah, oh, and. pretty cool. Yeah, okay. <laughs> a computer Ka-ching. programmer. Like. <laughs> yeah. um, you're most valuable, whatever, Chris. Francis Sternhagen. Yes. I think she's great. And I was trying to figure out where I recognised her from. Sex in the City! She is <laughs> The Mist. She is... she in The Mist? Yeah, she's The Mist. She's in, in The Mist. She I, is... The school teacher, I think. She's one of the... I'm sure she's one of the women in the... In the supermarket. In the supermarket. Okay. Because I got excited at the start when I saw Cliff from Cheers. Yeah. And then she's Cliff's mum in Cheers. Oh, really? So it was a really nice little connection there. Oh. And little fun little fact... For a, for a brief time, Cliff from Cheers was the most financially successful actor of all time. Right. Um, from be- Toy Story. Because Yeah, because he's in every Pixar movie. Yeah. And then Samuel L. Jackson's done him. Ugh. Uh, what about you? Uh, Frances Sternhagen as uh, Dr. Marion Lazarus. She's just great. Yeah, she is amazing. I was going to give it to her because I wasn't going to give it to Sean Connery because I just, as an actor, I do find him generally quite hard to connect with. Like he's... Apart from being Indiana Jones, actually, but like but then, but then the scene where he explains everything, I did think was actually like quite phenomenal, like in terms of the acting. I suppose because I wasn't expecting it as well. Like to me, he is. I mean, I know you love him in The Rock and stuff like that, but I don't know. Welcome, to The Rock. <laughs> the Untouchables. He's great. In. He's there, great. That's the true. That's true. 
But yeah, um, I just think the performance really. Oh, Highlander is like, fucking great. Mm. Oh, The Hunt for Red October. It's not. I mean, he's fine. It's just he's just no, quite he's hard. Great the man who would be king. Him. He's great. In. Mm. Oh, can I just have? I like, find him hard to connect with. Is that all right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. Dragonheart. <laughs> I mean, they just go through fucking IMDb. Entrapment. He's so good in entrapment. Yeah. Sorry, that is true. <laughs> that is a great film. The bit where he goes under all under the, lasers. the lasers. He's fucking brilliant. The bomb bit. Amazing. Anyway, uh, I thought his performance was The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> oh, please. He's so good in it, though. Really? Yep. Okay. Anyway, um, what would you change, Alex? I think the guy who Connery fights at the end, who O'Neill fights in the space, it should be Boyle. Um, I, you know, I, I, I get the idea that, you know, they're going to come and get him because he didn't sort the, his shit out on the station. But I just, like, the sergeant sort of turns up quite late and yet you are told there's a man on the inside and him standing there behind um, Dr. Lazarus is that moment where he just appears behind her and you're like, oh, he's going to kill her. And then he doesn't. He just sort of goes out to find Sean Connery. I just think that would be Boyle. I think you like you hate Boyle enough at this point because of how smug he is that seeing him fall over the side of the space station would be a better payoff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, better than him being punched over a table <laughs> because uh, my, my issue is kind of similar. Like the villain, the villain of the piece isn't, intimidating so I think your hitmen have to be scary or just not bumbling and I think there's a real problem with the baddies in this film because they're just so ineffective that there's no threat there and the, the film desperately needs it in that last third yeah yeah and also you understand why films like this have scenes where you tail a suspect because that is infinitely more interesting than watching them on a monitor oh yeah that's true what's yours um, two things. You cannot call the keeper of men Shepherd, and you cannot call a potentially sort of not concentrating doctor Lazarus. I just think that's, I mean, you do it in the scripture, like, I'm so clever. And then you do it again because it's crap. Um, but yeah, it's the scene. It connects with Chris's change because possibly because he's Bond, the hitmen are no threat whatsoever. So maybe obviously this diverts from high noon, but why doesn't Shepherd, since his motivation is money and he knows that the miners also love money. They're not working. It's not, you know, it's not for the love of the job. It's for money. Mm. Why not offer them money to help the hitmen? Mm. Um, and sort of motiv- incentivize them to kill O'Neill also. Good. That's it. Good stuff. We are done. That was Outland. You're welcome. Right then, are we doing a quiz this week, Chris? Yeah, oh, of course cool. we are. Love it. Uh, so on Thursday, I'm talking about a movie based on a TV show. So the quiz is going to be about movies based on TV shows. <sighs> what I'm going to do is give you the tagline, <clears throat> and I want you to give me the name of the film. Right. The film. Got you. Um. Although in almost all the cases, the it's the same. It's, well, there's one that's slightly different. Okay, let's kick off with number one. Weird is relative. Weird science. So it's a film based on a TV show. Right, got you. <laughs> um, Weird. The Adams Family. Correct. Oh! Very good. You figured it out. I could see your little brain work in there. Thank you, Chris. Um, all right. The ultimate disaster movie. Bean. Correct. Oh. Uh, very good. I thought that was going to be a tricky one. Uh, there is no plan B. Oh, I know this. The oh. A-team. Correct. Oh, oh. This is good. This is good. You guys are good at this. This summer, four boys become men. Um, <sighs> it was not. No, no. Stand By Me wasn't ever a TV show, was no. it? No. This is a British film. Oh, The Inbetweeners. Correct. Oh. <sighs> Correct. Uh, This one's a weird one. Uh, The only thing getting blown tonight is their cover. Oh, Oh, Spy. um, Jump Street. 21 Jump Street. Correct. Fuck you. Three, two. Three, two. Unbelievable. You need this, Alex. What I endure. You need this, Alex. (laughs) Quiz every week. He's angry, isn't he? I'm just going to. I'm going to bring it down a notch. (laughs) It's a very sweary episode, this. Uh, Okay. I'll look at you, Alex, because you need this point. (laughs) Thanks. We've been expecting you. Um, The X-Files? An English film. It's a weird... The tagline is weird uh, for the film. It's an English film that came out a couple of years ago and made a shit ton of money. And I doubt either of you have seen it. Oh. uh, We've been expecting you. But my mum probably enjoyed it. We've been expecting you. Calendar Girls. (laughs) Um, Set in a big building. It's a period piece. 
Oh, Downton Abbey. Correct. Oh. Vicky wins. Oh no. I'm sorry. Well played, Alex. Sorry for swearing at you. Look at that. Look at how. Look at how smug she is oh, now. Yeah, but no one can see. It's so now you two just sound like arseholes. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got videos. Like oh, congratulations, Victoria. We've been expecting you. It's a weird tagline, isn't it's it? It's really Downton weird Abbey. It's creepy. It sounds like horror. Well, yeah. no, it's it's also it's just. It's like that's yeah, smug. We've yeah, made you this are movie. Definitely going to watch. Of course, this. you're going to watch. You remember the TV show that you all fucking loved that we just like, you know, trotted out. Yeah. Now you got a movie. Come in. Right then, that's that. Uh, so next week, looking ahead, uh, welcome back, Chris Tilly, and mm-hmm. welcome back to your choices. What's your clue? Uh, next week, we will be trying to keep the wolf from the door, so to speak. That is your clue for next week's pairing. We are trying to keep the wolf from the door, so to speak. So that's your clue. Uh, We'll be revealing what the films are on Thursday's episode, where we will also be letting Chris guide us through Serenity. Until then, please subscribe, rate, and indeed review us if you have the time. It's a great help in checking with us on Twitter and Instagram, where we are at ClashPod. And don't forget, London Podcast Festival. You can get tickets for our first ever live ClashPod show on September the 4th. Back on Thursday. Bye-bye. This was a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.